five-step drop. Sefo, Lufa wants the deep ball. Locked it on to the end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Shea Fields. Lufau, the quarterback, run again. Breaks free. Still moving. Look at the big fella move. Lufau. Looking deep. Airing it deep. He's got a man out there. It's Fields. And Shea Fields all the way for the touchdown. That's one thing. But Lufau, in pain, delivered a shot. And that is, that's 70 yards. That's tremendous football by Lufau. Welcome into a very special Buff Stampede Radio. I'm Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. And today, I'm pleased to be joined by Colorado's all time leading passer, Sefo Lufau. Sefo, welcome back to Colorado. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. What brought you back out to Colorado? Yeah, I think that I um, kind of need a little switch up in my life, and I have a pretty decent history here. I have some good friends still here, and um, thought this was a great place for me to come out and um, kind of shake things up a little bit, for me personally at least. Awesome. We are recording today's podcast at Flight Co. Brewing, located at 38th Avenue and Tennyson Street in the Berkeley area of Denver. Two of the three owners here are CU grads. I had an opportunity to have lunch recently with Jason Slingsby, who graduated with a master's degree in chemical engineering and has a pilot's license. Jason, Eric, and Morgan, the other two owners, have combined their love for aviation and their love for brewing beer. I recommend for our listeners to make their way down here. Sefo, before I recount your time in Boulder, I wanted to ask you about your desire to tutor young quarterbacks in the area. Obviously, you have a lot of wisdom to bestow. When did you realize you wanted to help mentor young quarterbacks? Yeah, I think that that all kind of came along last year. I actually coached at my high school last year. Um, I wasn't a full-time coach, but um, just due to work. But when I could, I went out there, and I really enjoyed it. I loved seeing the the growth of um, the kids as players and also – as people in general and I think that I have a lot to offer in terms of coaching quarterbacks and, and coaching young guys in general and I think I could help a lot so I just want to be able to give back and kind of share my experiences and, and everything that I went through and hopefully some kids can learn a couple things and kind of be ahead of where I was when I was their age. But you're not wanting to jump into the whole coaching industry those 80 hour weeks uh, I don't think the average college fan realizes how much work those guys put in. I don't think they do, but no, I'm, I'm not really interested in doing that right now. I don't even watch football right now because it's anytime people watch it for enjoyment, I watch it and I start analyzing and it gets a little frustrating for me. And so I'm not ready to jump back into to full coaching just yet, but I do think that I can share some words of wisdom and some techniques with kids and that's kind of what I'm looking to do right now. If somebody that's listening to this uh, you know, has interest in working with you, mm-hmm. how do they reach out to you? Over email, is that the best way? Yeah, they could do email or they can hit me up on any of my social medias. Um, I'm on every platform right now, and um, I'm pretty good at responding to people. And so that's definitely a good way. Um, And I can put my email on there, too, so people can reach out. I have to say, Sefo, you were one of the most mature recruits that I've covered. How much of that do you attribute to having a father that, that was in the military? A lot. You know, I think that from a young age uh, I was pushed a lot by my dad um, from extra basketball practices just between us uh, extra football workouts just between us and I've been to a couple 
PT sessions with his unit uh, when I was younger, played basketball with his unit when I was younger, taught me a, a lot about maturity and respecting elders and just not complaining about things and just going out there and playing. And I learned a lot from him. And I think kind of a kind of a side note, what I also learned from a lot and why I think I matured so quickly was um, having two younger siblings um, with special needs. Um, you get put a lot, I wouldn't say a lot of responsibility, but um, you mature a lot quicker because um, there's a lot more understanding that needs to go on there and you help out a lot more. And um, I treat them no differently, but there's definitely a mature, maturing process that happens a lot quicker. And having a dad in the military and having two younger siblings um, like that uh, help you mature a lot quicker. Your father, Joe, was stationed in Colorado Springs for four years mm-hmm. in the late 80s. Is that, I think he became a Buffs fan during that time, is that correct? Yeah, or started we, we to kind can, of follow we can, say, we can say that. I think he was definitely a big Sal fan. Um, that's definitely a, a big thing for him. When it comes to football and Polynesians, there's a connection anywhere they play. And so my dad really enjoyed watching CU just because of that and following them because of that. Um, so, yeah, that's probably a more bigger connection um, between the two. You were born just outside of Tacoma. Did you spend your entire youth in the state of Washington? For the most part, um, so my dad was in the military, and I lived in Hawaii for two years, and that was in first and second grade. Don't really remember a whole lot. I do remember putting on about ten pounds when I moved back to Washington, and it was too cold for me. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, I, I lived in Washington my whole life. And you had three uncles that, that played college football. When when did you start playing football? And were you a quarterback from day one? Yeah. Do you mean? Flag football or tackle football? The first time you picked up a football and were, were part of the team, do you remember that? I have no idea, to be honest. Maybe six or seven years old. Okay. I remember playing flag football over in um, Hawaii. It's probably the first uh, memories that I have um, of playing. And I didn't start playing tackle until third grade and did not start as playing quarterback. Okay. Um, I was actually center and defensive end. So uh, so we know where some of that toughness came from. Yeah, there. just a little bit. Um, I was the third grader playing fifth grade. Um, and I played up until I hit fifth grade, and that's when I also started playing quarterback, um, was in fifth grade. Never got any private coaching or anything, though, until I don't even know. Probably the biggest, like, actual importance that I stressed on that was probably going into my senior year of college. So okay. So I'm a little bit different than most people these yeah. days. Having those uncles that play college football, was football always kind of part of your family growing up? Oh, 100%. It was. Um, if it wasn't football, it was basketball. But when it was football season, it was it was football nonstop. And um, having those uncles that I've played before, always checking in, seeing how I was doing, how I played the night before. My dad's always letting people know in Hawaii or back home in Samoa, kind of how everything was going. Um, football's it's in our blood. Um, it runs through us. It's. I mean, back in the day, it's kind of how you made it off the island, and that's why so many of them are successful is because it's one of the ways to get off the island. And so, um, yeah, football is definitely big between me and my uncles and, and my dad. I think it was the U.S. Army All-American camp in San Antonio where you kind of emerged the, the winner of your junior year. Is that the first time the, the recruiting kind of picked up for you when that's something you really thought about? Yeah, you could say that. I think that recruiting in this day and age is a little bit different so it's hard for me to kind of compare the two um but i think for the most part i don't really count like receiving mail from numerous schools because depending on how serious it is obviously um but i think compared to a lot of other people my recruiting was a lot um i don't think i was recruited as heavy as a lot of other kids which is fine i mean i i I had my one opportunity my one offer and I, i took it and ran um but 
I guess in terms of picking up a little bit, definitely kind of in that, that time frame that you mentioned is kind of when everything picked up. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the fact you came off the board pretty quickly. You committed to CU in April of 2012. What would you remember about the whole recruiting process looking back on it? Um, I think the biggest thing that I remember is my mom was stressed out about it. <laughs> I, I came on and I got offered. It was about three or four weeks later, Rip, Coach Rip, who recruited me at the time, um, he goes, hey, how's everything going? Has anyone else offered you? da 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 and I was like, oh, did you guys offer me? Because like, I was totally oblivious because I was just a college or high school kid just kind yeah. of going about life. And he goes, oh, I didn't make that super clear. I was like, oh, no, but I'm super excited now. <laughs> and so um, after that happened, I decided to go on an unofficial visit, kind of pay my way out there because I was very big on seeing everything outside of football and making sure I enjoyed it outside of football because you spend so much time on campus in class um, if you're not in football and so went out on an official visit um, fell in love with it and I think it was about a week later I committed my mom was super stressed out about it um, but I was like I don't know that's where I want to go and I don't really want to wait anymore for any other options and so um, yeah it was kind of a whirlwind, uh, whirlwind kind of experience but um, kind of fell in love with CU and ran with it. What do you remember about that unofficial visit? What would really stood out the, the first time you visited Boulder? It's a great question. Um, I think one of the first things, obviously, is when you drive in, the view is unbelievable. And for me, being kind of in a suburb, kind of a city in Tacoma, um, I love Tacoma and always hold a special place in my heart. But when you get that first view of Boulder, you're like, wow, like, this place is pretty cool, and just going and hanging around with Coach Rip and the rest of the players um, and kind of getting a, a taste of what college coaching is like and kind of what they're all about is kind of also like a shocker in terms of it's a different level compared to high school, um, at least for me, in terms of um, coaching intensity and whatnot. I mean, I had a great coach in Brian Jensen, who's now the head coach in my high school, who's coached at the college level, um, but... It's, it's a different animal, too, is what I learned coming here and visiting. You mentioned your dad was a Solanesi fan. Did they have his locker set up when you took that visit? Or was he that? did. He did, yeah. Okay. I actually have a picture, I believe, um, with T.C. Um, McCartney. Awesome. Um, who showed me around everything. Um, and it's the reason why I was roommates with Derek for four years, because um, he made that connection. And so um, I might be able to find that picture for you. We'll okay. <laughs> awesome. It looked like CU had some momentum going in into the you know year number two under John Embry. They they won two of their last three games in 2011. Ended that long road losing streak at Utah. You're committed there at this point. What's going through your mind as you're watching what unfolds in 2012 and seemingly overnight John Embry's on the on the hot seat. I would imagine that that's probably a, a kind of a stressful time as a recruit. Yeah, I think that for me, I was so wrapped up in high school day-to-day life and honestly I don't want to sound bad but honestly not caring about any of it all the drama and all that until it happened and the news came out and then when it did came come out I was I was pretty I wouldn't say devastated shattered heartbroken um, because these are the guys that took a chance on me and these are the guys that I wanted to go play for and so it was very tough for me especially um, being a lot younger and uh, not as mature I I don't really show feelings to people out in the public um, but, you know, talking to my parents, it was, it was very um, hard to kind of see that. And is it tough then to stay patient? I think it was about two and a half weeks, mm-hmm. you know, the coaching search 
they they finally settle on Mike McIntyre. But I mean, there's what are you thinking during that whole process? Yeah, definitely a little bit stressed. Um, I don't remember where I was. I know I remember where I was at some ice cream shop with some teammates um, when he called me and he first talked to me. Um, and, but leading up to that, definitely stressful because you don't know what's going on. Everything's kind of up in the air. Um, but when he called me and said they were on a scholarship, would love to still have me. Um, and after talking with him for a little bit, kind of what they wanted to do and kind of how they saw things, I was very excited again. You know, I think it was still tough for me because I committed to different people and a different staff. But after the stress leading up to it and after talking to Coach Mack for a little bit, um, everything was kind of put back at ease for me. And uh, I got excited again to come out and play in Colorado because I still loved it out here. Yeah. Um, I loved everything outside of the football part. So. You look back at McIntyre's transition class, and there were a lot of players in that class that exceeded their their, you know, recruiting ranking, if you will. Obviously, Philip Lindsay was in your class. Cheeto, Tedrick Thompson, Jimmy decent, Gilbert, decent players, yeah. <laughs> Bryce Bobo, Devin Ross, Kenneth, Kenneth Olobodi. Did that bond between you and the rest of your class start pretty early on, or is that something that kind of slowly evolved over time? I think it started pretty quickly in our summer first summer there, and. They had this little bridge program. They called it the bridge program, um, kind of helping us as a group, individually and collectively as a group, kind of bond and transition into college life. And I definitely think it's, that's where it started, you know. And I think a lot of us getting thrown into the fire a little bit early also helped because we all got put through so much um, hardships that it, you either splinter or you come together as a group. And I think we came together. Um, that summer and then through that season. Connor Wood comes out the gate, throws for 400 yards against CSU in 2013. All signs, I think at that point, point towards you redshirting. Uh, but five games into the season during your game down in Tempe, they decide to make a change. You're thrust out there. What's running through your mind as you're running out in Sun Devil Stadium to take your first college snap? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I came in as number five or number six. I forgot how many quarterbacks were there. I came out of camp number two, and my goal was to start and play. Not going to lie, I was kind of pissed. <laughs> I told my parents I was mad. Um, but they told me to just stay ready, um, and an opportunity might arise. And so to just stay ready and, and stay um, or keep doing the things that got you there. And so when I walked out to Sunday Devil Stadium that, that day, I think it was Yogi Roth. Um, he asked me if I was like, you think you're going to play this year, yada, yada, yada. I was like, no, I'm not going to play this year, but I'd stay ready. You know, Connor's playing great. We're going to have a great season. Well, I was in pretty soon after that, and so um, it was kind of a whirlwind. Um, I found my helmet pretty easily, but I couldn't find a ball to warm up with, and so I was like, all right, well, this defense is really good. We'll see how it goes. Um, first drive was really good. After yeah, you, that, you scored a touchdown on the first drive if memory yep, serves. Yep, Nelson Spruce on a on – a, dig or an in route I forget um, but started off well and then after that it was just kind of up and down um, but definitely um, definitely didn't think I was going to play and I definitely feel like I lied to Yogi when he asked me <laughs> and I was like no I'm not going to play and then pretty soon after that I was playing you, you mentioned that you were frustrated after camp th- mm-hmm. that you didn't get the starting job looking back on it now were you, were you ready for that challenge at that point I don't know to be honest you know I think that I don't know if it's a problem or a good thing that I hold myself to such a high standard. And so I just set my goal to be the number one guy. And then I didn't reach that goal. I was upset. But 
Um, thankfully, I had people that a good support system to kind of just tell me and set me back on the right path. Um, I don't know. I think that there's definitely pros and cons to redshirting, and I probably could have done a world of wonders with with redshirting. I had a back problem at the time and that I was playing with, and um, I think if you see me run from like senior year to freshman year, I look a lot different. <laughs> Pretty awkward running. Um, so I could have done for you know resting, but in terms of like the leadership aspect and and playing. Um, I don't know. It's up for debate, I guess. Um, but I just try to make myself pre- as prepared as possible for each game and, and for the season um, and kind of left it up, that, up, up to that. One game that I remember from that season is at UCLA. You keep getting knocked down over and over again. You keep popping back up. Was it Miles Jack that you had the, the little scuffle with in that, in that game? No, it was uh, Anthony Barr. I That's think. right. Plays That's the right. Vikings, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah him. And yeah. It, I remember going, okay, this guy's got a lot of toughness. And, and yeah. I had a couple of your teammates actually tell me that's when we knew this was our guy. Did you sense that as well, that guys really respected not just that performance, but you know times that you showed toughness that they could kind of re- rally behind you because of that? Yeah. Um, in the moment, I don't think so. Because I was too busy jawing off with Anthony Barr because <laughs> I'm kind of crazy. But um, – I think after the game, when everyone started asking me questions about it, and I was talking to my parents, I was like, yeah, I think, you know, I finally earned, I think I have respect of my teammates before that, but for them to kind of openly show it, um, I think that says a lot, and it means a lot to me, Um, because even when you're not having your best game, which happened quite a few times throughout my career at CU, um, those guys will go to bat for you, Um, and to me, that, that means the world, and definitely looking back on it that's kind of the first time where um kind of everything just kind of clicked and was like okay these guys got my back um like i've had this whole summer and throughout this whole season and so yeah definitely probably the first time for me you ended up starting seven games as a true freshman and were a starter from there on out when healthy obviously mm-hmm. uh you're named a, a team captain your sophomore year that that doesn't happen often uh what, what did that tell you at the time and was it something you expected might happen um, I don't know if I expected it because I just kind of go about my, my daily business and trying to make sure I'm doing the right things and making sure those around me are doing the right things. And I don't even think I was totally doing all the right things. In terms of a leadership standpoint, and when I say that, I guess it wasn't until my senior year that I figured out how to connect with each person on an individual level and a team level, and I wasn't doing that my fresh or my freshman going into my my sophomore year. I should just say, um, I didn't understand the whole dynamic of that yet. I think that I was a good leader in myself and bringing team with teammates along and stuff like that. But it wasn't until my senior year where I finally figured out how to interact with guys and how to make guys not only you don't want. See, my big thing is that, and what I learned from my dad is that you don't want to have followers. You know, you want to make leaders. Um, out of your teammates and so that um, guys are not just following you the whole time because when you're gone right you want other people to be those leaders and so um, that was kind of one of the big things that I want to do is like make guys self-motivators self-starters um, so that when I'm gone when the Cheetos are gone when the Philip Lindsay's are gone um, there's still leaders there to kind of help carry the torch and, and keep moving the program forward. Was there a, a turning point for you where you went into a place of feeling really comfortable out on the field on game day? 
I think I think for me personally it was breaking my foot as weird as that sounds wow okay um, so to kind of put it into context um, when I broke my foot against USC that was probably I, I guess I shouldn't say it's, that was my first comfortable time kind of on the field I was very I wasn't very comfortable I was comfortable my sophomore year um, I played well obviously I made some mistakes um, junior year I was you know up and down as well but when I broke my foot against USC I was I was very comfortable my shoulder was finally feeling healthy again from separation from when I separated it earlier in the year um, I was playing against USC and we were playing I think it was 21-3 or something like that um, I was playing pretty well broke my foot and of course I'm an idiot and I tried to play on it um, but when I went into surgery um, I was pretty upset because the timeline they gave me was not <laughs> not generous or in my favor um, just be due to kind of what goes into the injury and snapping your tendons isn't you know easy to recover from and so I came out of surgery and I was in between the stage of um, being fully there and kind of still waking up from surgery and I guess I was I wouldn't say yelling. I don't really know. My mom said I was kind of yelling, um, but just like I wanted to come back and play. I wanted to play with my teammates, and whatever was, whatever their obstacles in my way, I was gonna, I was gonna beat it. And I didn't go home for the summer. Um, I was doing whatever rehab I could do to recover. Um, and kind of long story short, I beat the timeline. Come back a couple months early. Um, I actually paid for my own trainer. Alex Brink, who's out in Portland, Oregon, went there, trained for a couple weeks, maybe it was a week, um, to get ready for the season. Um, and I just put myself in whatever I thought was the best possible um, situation to be successful with these teammates. Because I played with them for three years. We weren't very good. I mean, in all honesty, we probably four wins before that in a season um, as our most. And my freshman year I said I wanted to fill the stadium before I left to my to my mom and my girlfriend at the time and um, that was a goal of mine it took to the last game of the year but um, going into the season I thought that I was playing some of the best football um, that I have ever played um, I knew what the defenses were doing I was switching things um, in terms of plays had the teammates backing me um, that's when I felt most comfortable now when I got injured against Michigan that was probably um, a big setback because then you're fighting recovery from the foot injury or from the ankle sprain um, but that was probably the most comfortable time and a long-winded answer um, when I was comfortable before that USC game did you know what a list Frank was is? no no <laughs> I didn't I don't even think I know half the injuries that I had um, what they were so you and Nelson Spruce seem to kind of have a sixth sense almost out there it seems like when things broke down mm -hmm. you kind of knew how to find him when did that develop um it's a great question probably within first the end of my freshman year sophomore year for sure He's definitely a security blanket um, for me when I was playing, and I think that a big thing for that is just kind of his football savviness. You know, he wasn't the fastest, but I think football is just as much mental as it is um, physical. Obviously, if you're running a 4-4, it helps you out a lot, but um, the amount of times that he bailed me out on a, a sprint out or escaping me escaping the pocket um, or me just trusting him one-on-one, -on -one, um, 
that helped a lot. And I think going into my sophomore year is probably when that kind of all came to fruition. You mentioned that you had a couple of tough seasons in there, but there were a lot of really close games in that stretch. How frustrating was that time period, being so close yet not getting those wins? Oh, it was very frustrating. Um, frustration is like um, putting it mildly, I guess. Um, I didn't really go out in the town after the games. I didn't go hang out with friends low-key or anything. A lot of times I was just at the house with my roommates and I wouldn't say pity, but I was pretty frustrated, pretty pissed all the time just because you put in what you think is hard work all the time and you try and be successful with this group of guys and something's just not clicking. And so it was definitely frustrating um, going out there and, and coming up short all the time. And you're the face of the program as the quarterback, so every Tuesday they have a press luncheon at CU. <laughs> you yeah. have to come in there. How tough is that? It's very tough, and it's very frustrating. But I'm also under the thought that, at least for me personally, like I'll take the blame for all everything that happens in the game um, because I think that it takes a lot of the stress and burden off a lot of the other guys and if that helps them play better or helps detract from from them in negative ways, then I'm, I'm willing to do that. And it sucked at times, and especially when you're going week to week and you're losing and then you're losing close games or you're losing big games or you're losing by 30 points. Like, it's it's tough and it's frustrating and it wears on me or wore on me when I was, when I was playing. And, um, yeah, on a weekly basis, that was my least favorite time of the week <laughs> is being yeah. asked all those questions. You talked about the foot injury already. The outside expectations at that point were because of how severe that injury is, and you look at some other athletes that have had it, that Cepho mm-hmm. is going to have to redshirt next year. Mm-hmm. They're going to need to bring in another quarterback. Did you hear that outside noise during that, that whole time period? Yeah, I heard it from inside the locker room, outside the locker room. You know, I won't really go into specifics and details, but – um, I heard it from everywhere, and honestly, it just made me pissed um, to think that um, people would write me off so quickly after, um, you know, those three years that I've kind of helped the program. Obviously, it wasn't successful, so I understand where they're coming from, um, but it definitely also lit a fire underneath me, and I think that's kind of a testament also of why I came back so quickly and why I was waking up at 5 30 in the morning and then not getting home till 7 30 at night um just because of how much effort i was putting into recovering rehabbing working out um so that i could play that following year so i, I definitely heard it um i heard all the fans all the people that tweeted at me and all that stuff i heard them so what's the first thing that pops in your head when you hear the name davis webb <laughs> <laughs> i had to ask uh, no you're totally fine um <laughs> It tr- obviously just, turned just, into the just, soap opera. Just his name? Uh, but uh, he signs a grand nade at CU. It looks like he's coming in. Um, mm-hmm. What are you thinking during that whole saga? Is that also something that's kind of fueling you along with those long days of rehab? Oh, 100%. You know, I probably wouldn't have said that when I was playing because there's no point in talking about it, in my opinion. Um, you kind of just downplay it all the time. But I was definitely... Um, I wasn't even mad, to be honest. I was just – the competitive fire got even bigger, and I was like, all right, 
but bring Davis Webb here. May the best man win. Um, and I knew he was a good quarterback. Um, and I know he put up amazing, you know, statistics. He's a, and he's still playing. I don't know if he's still playing in the NFL. I don't. I, don't I think he he's with the Giants, maybe. Right. I knew he saw, or yeah. was drafted by them. Yeah. Um, I just don't keep up with the NFL, so it's kind of for my help with them. Um, but definitely just added fuel to the fire. I'm a big, big competitor, and so I was like, all right, let's do this. And so just added. That's why 5.30 in the morning every day, 7 at night, didn't go home. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just competition, I guess, is the first thing that pops into my head when, when you say Davis Webb. I ran into Philip Lindsay just outside the building after spring ball and I said what do you guys think of this whole saga because at that point again it was turning into a soap opera mm-hmm. he says Sefo's our quarterback yeah I do actually I do remember him saying that um, <laughs> or at least hearing about it yeah um, I, I really appreciate it um, and it says a lot um, especially coming from a guy like that um, yeah he's, he's a special guy that guy um, but yeah it, just, it meant a lot hearing it from him when did you know 2016 had the makings of something special. Did did you have a sense even in the the summer that, or, or was it just you were so focused on the day to day that you weren't thinking big picture? Definitely focused on the day to day. I think I noticed things being different when a lot of the seniors in the summer, kind of leading up to it, we held each other to a standard and held ourselves to a standard. Started kicking guys out of um, workouts if they were late, which meant we knew it meant punishment, but whatever. You get through it. Um, everything comes to an end, especially punishments. And so um, started kicking guys out, um, started handling things kind of on a um, team level. And so I think it was definitely kind of leading up in the summer where I was like, okay, this is feeling a lot different. A lot of guys are holding each other accountable. A lot of guys are challenging each other. Um, I think Cheeto and Akello, personally, um, just off the top of my head, were very big on challenging the number one. Like, okay, you are doing this against this guy, but I want to go against you. I want to make you better. I want to make myself better so that everyone um, can be ready for the season. And so leading up to the summer is definitely kind of when I started seeing things. But for the most part, I was just kind of focused on the day-to-day um, grind of rehab and working out with the guys and, and trying to make sure everyone was ready for the season is it a lot of those close losses that that kind of fueled you guys to realize you had to make that change as leaders on the team definitely you know i think i mean a lot of us are competitors a lot of us came from winning programs in high school and so we were definitely um motivated um on a personal level and also on a team level to kind of go out there and put a good season together and we've been through so many close games that when the close games did happen in our senior year, it was just kind of like, all right, let's tighten up the laces a little harder um, and let's go out there and, and get this win. It, it didn't really phase us, to be honest. Um, even when um, getting to crunch time in the fourth quarter, it was just like, all right, let's just do this. We've been here before. Let, let's just finish the job now. You beat CSU 44-7, then Idaho State 56-7 to open that 2016 season. You travel out to the big house. Where does the atmosphere there at Michigan on that day rank in terms of the different environments you played in during your college career? Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot of people there. I don't know how. It's like 100,000 they hold, right? Over 100,000. Over 100,000. Yeah. Um, surprisingly enough, it's not as loud as people think it is. Oh, okay. Um, it's a lot of 
well, from the little I looked into the stands, a lot of older fans. Uh, I'm not saying that they don't get loud, but I was expecting a little more. And so when you're playing in the game, um, and I was kind of in my zone that game, um, just like on a focused standpoint. And so I didn't really hear a whole lot. Um, a lot of guys were asking me, oh, you just – Tom Brady was out there at the coin toss. And I was like, oh, I don't care. Like, it's just – cool i would have it's cool now to me yeah <laughs> but at the time i was just in a different place and so a lot of the noise or the people or the hits i just wasn't even it was one play one snap and clear and on to the next one so yeah tough to answer for that you take a quick 14 nothing lead in that game lead 21 7 coming out of the first quarter mm-hmm. but Derek mccartney gets hurt mm-hmm. diego gonzalez gets hurt mm-hmm. your sideline in the second half with the ankle injury still if not for some punting issues and the fact that jabril peppers basically played like superman that day you mm-hmm. really had a great chance to win that football game was that the feeling in the locker room after the game that that was one that you guys should have won oh 100 percent um and I told – when I went to the Combine and all those Michigan guys, I told them that they should have lost that game. <laughs> and this is the only game to this day from any game I've played in any sport that I'm still slightly upset about <laughs> um, in a competitive way. Um, it doesn't ruin my day or anything, but um, definitely frustrating because um, they're a good team, but I think we were at a point defensively and offensively um, where we should have won that game. I wouldn't say with ease, but um, – we were clicking on, on all cylinders, and so it was, it was very frustrating to kind of go through that game and then to come out with a loss. I'm sure a lot of our listeners know that you were roommates with Derek and Diego in college. What's mm-hmm. that week like at your house after, oh, with all man. you guys banged up? I'm not going to lie. It was very de- – if you would have had a camera outside of our house when we got back at, like, 3 in the morning, oh, it was so depressing. We were all on crutches, and so – and you have to, like, go up some steps, probably, like, 10 steps to just get to the door and – it wasn't a great sight to see. Um, and then we were in the training room the next day, and it takes us like 20 minutes longer to get in the car and out of the car with all our crutches. And so um, it's more comedic looking back on it now just because we were all on crutches and we all talk about it still to this day. Um, but definitely um, need a little more help around the house with uh, all the crutches that were there. You had so many close losses the previous two seasons. Mm-hmm. There could have been a here-we-go-again feeling after that game. You're, yeah, you won your first two games big, but you're 2-1, and one and you're going into conference play. You go out to Oregon, a nail-biter, mm-hmm. a Keller Witherspoon with one of the biggest plays <clears throat> in the last 15, 20 years in CU football. What, mm-hmm. what is your recollection of that play, obviously being on the sideline? I'm not going to lie, I was nervous. (laughs) I I wasn't playing in the game, and so um, you're kind of a coach at that point, and you try and help as best you can, and then the chips fall where they fall, right? The guys are out there playing. Um, But when Akello picked that ball, man, it was I was ecstatic, Um, super happy for um, the team just to be able to pull one of those out, especially on the road at Oregon. That's one of the loudest stadiums I've played in. so, yeah, just definitely, definitely excited to just finally get one of those and be like, we could be on to something here. So, yeah. Oregon struggled to win games after that. Mm-hmm. You guys go the other direction. If Akello doesn't pick that ball off, what happens to both teams the rest of that year? I still think we have a good shot at, at being successful that year. Um, but Oregon probably wins more games, right? Be, uh, yeah. I mean, that was a fairly talented team. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I don't know. I can't speak for the rest of their season, but for us, 
it wouldn't have been a, like the end of the season for us. Um, it might not have been as good as ten and four and going to the Alamo Bowl and all that. Um, it's hard to say, but I don't know. I wouldn't say that that was going to ruin the season for us. Um, it's just hard to tell. I don't know if I've ever seen the CU team celebrate more than you guys did right when that Oregon game ended. What, what was the scene like back in the <laughs> locker room? Oh man, there's a lot of hooting and hollering, banging on the the locker doors, um, and that square little box they put you in. Um, <laughs> just everyone. Yeah, just, for all the facilities they have there, they don't take care of the. Oh, they do it on team. purpose. They do it on purpose, and I applaud them for that. Um, <laughs> that's a great mental tactic because you just like kind of feel like you're. In, I wouldn't say a jail cell, but compared to what they have, that locker room is nothing. <laughs> um, but everyone was just super ecstatic, right? To just finally be able to pull one out, pull one out at Oregon. Um, obviously, like you alluded to, they went downhill after that a little bit, um, but didn't matter to us. You know, we, to be able to come up and, and get a road win in the Pac-12 is, is always going to be hard, and so we were just ecstatic um, as a team to finally accomplish um, the goal of getting a win, and um, we were kind of eager to go out there and, and get another one. You're back from your ankle injury in mid-October against Arizona State. You win that game, forty to sixteen. That's a team that had kind of had your number up to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in addition to the Oregon game being a turning point, I always look back to that game at Stanford. Ugly game, Ooh. a lot of missed field goals. <laughs> yeah. But that that showed this team was different to me, that mm-hmm. you could win a football game 10-5, to 5, and, and that got you bowl eligible at that point. It did. And to this day, I will say shout-out to that defense that day. They played very well, especially the money gang. Um they should probably patent that. I don't know if anyone has said that as much as these guys have. They still say it to this day. I was with them about a month ago, and they said it all the time. Um, <laughs> but our defense played really well that game. Um, obviously, you want to help out more as an offense. Um, after the game, the rest reviewed the, this pick play that they called back that we scored on for a touchdown and said it wasn't a pick play. So that's frustrating to see. But even with that and the missed field goals, um, I wish we could have did more for the defense, made it a little more comfortable. But um, we definitely showed kind of our fight and determination to kind of grind one of those out. It was not pretty. They were a good team. And um, to be able to go down there to Stanford and, and win one of those games where I think the year before we lost by like 30 or 40 or something like that um, was big for us. So, yeah. You're 6-2 and two at that point. I think you guys could have said we're going to a bowl game and everybody would have called it a successful season. What was it that kept you to stay focused as a group on that ultimate goal that you had of winning the, the Pac-12 South? Yeah, I think it was um, <clears throat> the fact that we set that goal prior to the season even starting and we were 0-0 zero and zero, and so no one knew kind of what, um, I don't know. Basically our goal was always Pac-12 South champs um, and then to go be the Pac-12 champs. And so I think a big thing that I live by today or at least I try to on a daily basis to kind of empty every day or go into every day like your, your fridge is empty. you got to go out there and prove yourself each and every day. And um, we weren't satisfied with 6-2. and two. Um, I think that's what you said we were at the yeah. time. Um, you know, we wanted to keep winning um, and take each practice, each game, um, one, one game at a time, place the utmost importance and um, focus on each game. And where the chips fell, that's where they fell. But we wanted to go out there and try to win each and every day. I can't remember at what point it was during the season that – you added fullback basically to your title with that package, and you're just carrying the ball over. Over, you know, I forget it was it about ten times a game. Yeah. What point of the season did that package get implemented? 
too soon? I don't know. <laughs> um, those, uh, that's a great question. Arizona State, maybe. Okay. Maybe, because I didn't really run it against Michigan a little bit, but not a whole lot. Probably Arizona State, maybe, they kind of started working more and more in. Um, it takes its toll, so I applaud the running backs for running all the time. Granted, mine was always basically power, so it's a little bit yeah. different. <laughs> um, but probably around Arizona State is kind of when we started doing all that, and um, it causes defenses a lot of problems because you can spread the field out and your running back can be a blocker, and then I'm out there running, not very quickly, but uh, efficiently, right? Just read your blocks and, and go out there and yeah. do your thing. Did Brian Lindgren sit you down at some point and say, look, we think you can be really effective in this role, or did he just start calling those plays and you roll with it? Yeah, oh, no, we definitely talked about it. Um, and it was probably Arizona State. I can't really remember. Um, but we definitely talked about it, and we definitely had a lot of – well, not a lot of – we had a package um, where there was an audible based off of what front or defense we got, um, or sometimes we would just run straight power. Um, and it was basically a – this is what we're running. Stop it if you can. Let's go. And so he definitely talked about it, and I'm pretty sure my response was whatever it takes to win. So um, that's kind of how we started running that about ten times a game. Can't imagine it felt too good waking up on some of those Sunday mornings after carrying yeah. the ball like that. No, definitely not. Um, but, I mean, I told him it was whatever it takes to win. Um, there's actually a time, I want to say actually it was against Arizona State, where we ran – I won't use the phrase, because they probably still use it now that I think about it. Um, but we ran a play three times in a row, just no huddle. Um, and it was a read each and every time. And I had handed it off because each time it was a read to Phillip. And the, the read based off of the defensive end was to, to give it to him. And he comes back the third time and he goes, we had gotten good gains, five, six yards. That's, that's great in our book. And he comes back and he goes, I don't care what the read is. He's, he's tired. He's hurting. And he goes, you keep the ball. I was like, okay, Philip. if I get killed, I'm going to be upset with you. So I keep the ball, I get drilled, and then I get on the phone at the end of the drive. I don't remember what happened the rest of the drive, but I'm getting an earful, 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 earful. And I was like, I don't know, it just, it just looked like the right read to me, coach. And then the next day I was hurting, I'm not going to lie, because you take shots every, like, ten times a game. Um, got hit quite a bit in other plays. It's like, you feel them, and then you roll out of bed slowly, and then... Oh, you walk to the pools a lot in terms of ice and cold and try your best to recover for next week. What day of the week are you starting to feel like you can go play another football game? I could technically play Sunday, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but that's just because I think a lot of it has to do with the mental aspect. Um, the body can do and the mind, if you can connect the two, um, a lot of things can be accomplished. And so I'd say I could play Sunday. Um, at 100%, I don't know but I could play again. <laughs> After that Stanford game, you beat UCLA and Arizona the next two weeks, come back home for the final two regular season games with the Pac-12 South on the line. What stands out when you think back to those games, full house there at Folsom Field against Washington State and Utah? Yeah. Um, I think for the Washington State game, um, it was definitely super – there's a lot of static or electricity in the air, right, because it's, it's pretty full. It's basically full um, stadium. A lot of the guys are excited, um, playing a great team, playing a great quarterback in Luke Falk. And I was just super excited to play in, in a game like that. Um, it's nationally televised, and 
I don't know. I just thinking back on, it, I was just super excited. And, you know, you go out there. I remember missing two deep balls that could have been real helpful <laughs> with making the game easier. Um, but just being like, all right, you know, you didn't make this play, um, but let's go out there and, and stay in the zone, stay focused on the next play, and um, just try and do the best you can and put the guys and put the ball in your playmakers' hands. And I think for the most part, I did that, and the guys played tremendously well. Defense played well especially playing against that quarterback and that offense. So, yeah. And then the Utah game, it's kind of when it all hit me. Uh, I mean, I was reminded of my goal of filling the stadium or trying to fill the stadium by the time I was over and took it to the last game. Um, But just a sense of um, accomplishment, um, relief. I don't even think I was stressed for the game, to be honest, because we had all come so far as a team. Um, we were all just super excited to go out there and play and, and happy to be in that position. We were ready to go out there and try and earn what we thought was, was ours, and that was a spot in the Pac-12 championship game. Obviously, you win the South, go to California, play Washington, hang with them for a half, and, and uh, wheels kind of fell off there late in the game. But mm-hmm. after the game, are you still thinking as a team you're most likely going to go to the Rose Bowl? Is that kind of the general sentiment within the locker room? Um I don't even know if we were thinking about that, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't say heartbroken, but I was pretty down after the game, you know, to to have my ankle re-injured and then not play very well. and Just frustration. and Because um, when you, whenever you, at least for me, whenever you don't reach a goal, um, I'm going to be upset about it for a little bit, at least for a couple hours. Um, but um, it's at that point, too, where you and the rest of my teammates were just like, hey, you got to rally know take a couple days off and get ourselves ready for whatever comes next um, but I don't think we we're really thinking about that right after the game I thought the Alamo Bowl was an awesome setup right there on the Riverwalk stadium mm-hmm. so close what was that whole experience like for you yeah it was it was definitely a great experience to go out there um, I'm not really one for I'm not really big on festivities and stuff and so that stuff it's kind of whatever to me I thought they were done correctly and the hosts of of the the bowl game were tremendous and awesome um but you know i enjoyed the whole week i was happy to finally you know make it to a bowl game with my teammates um and we definitely um i wouldn't say relief but we were definitely happy to finally you know be able to put ourselves in a position to be in a bowl game and to play for a bowl game and not just a six and six bowl game um and so we were all just very happy um, for the first day just to be able to make it there and then once you get there it's just time to kind of go to work again right I think it's tough for teams that are there for a week um, to separate um, work from pleasure um, but and obviously we didn't play very well in the game kind of wheels kind of fell off there too and I don't really think that was due to lack of preparation or anything it's just we just didn't play very well against a very good team and you make one or two mistakes they kind of can snowball and um, really hurt you in the end Obviously, Cheeto and Akello were, were hurt in that game. Mm-hmm. Do you think it plays out any differently if, if they're both 100%? I think it definitely plays out differently. Um, I don't think the offense, I think, didn't help them out at all. Uh, we didn't play very well, and you know that always starts with the quarterback position, in my opinion. And so I definitely think if they're healthy, um, it makes 100% difference. Those are two guys that are still playing in the league. They're playing um, first string they're playing a lot so I definitely think it makes a difference 
Oklahoma State was ready for you as a runner. They obviously had a long time to prepare for that package. Mm -hmm. What did they do differently that other teams didn't do? I think just the, their consistency of hitting their, their gaps and plugging the holes and, and making it difficult for us to run um, run power. Um, I mean, power is a universal um, play that so many teams use, and if you fit it right each and every time um, and you read the pull, you read the blocks well, and you beat your guy one-on-one, it's, it's tough to beat. Um, and so they just did a good job of winning their one-on-one matchups and individual battles and, and really made it tough for us. So I don't think they did anything special. Um, they just did their job on an individual level, and then collectively that, that, that's a win every time for them. You ended your college career, the owner of 99 school records, including total offensive yards and passing yards. How much pride do you take on that looking back? Um, I don't think as much as many people would think, to be honest. Um, I think the most important statistic in my humble opinion is, is wins and losses. And that's why the first three years were so frustrating for me you know I could throw 50 touchdowns and no interceptions and we could lose games and I'd be down in the dumps because I'd feel like there was more that I left out there on the table and so um, I think it's a the 99 records are a testament to myself but also my teammates my linemen for giving me time to throw my receivers who make plays after the catch um, I appreciate the records I guess but I'm I'm more happy with ending the season 10 and 4 and also just kind of wish I had you know, more time to you know, bring more wins to the university. Do you start training for the NFL at that point, right after the season? I met with my agent the next day, next morning actually, and I think I took a week. Um, I flew back home, I think I took a week, and then I drove down to Portland where I trained um, with Alex Brink again, um, and that's when I started training for the NFL. You signed on as an undrafted free agent with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the spring of 2017. We're with them until early September. What was your experience like as an NFL quarterback? Yeah, um, definitely a roller coaster of an experience. Um, when you go in as an undrafted free agent and a quarterback at that, you've got to learn the offense really quickly. you got to earn trust really quickly. And you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm not really one to lie. It, it took me a little bit to kind of understand the playbook. Um, and then I had actually a good, I was going to say freshman camp, but rookie camp. Um, I coached Mike Bajakian, who's one of the best guys I've ever been around, one of the best coaches I've ever been around. Um, he told me that, and that gave me a lot of confidence. And then coming back, I definitely took a hit on my confidence. Um, there's three other quarterbacks there. I didn't get any reps in terms of like a team perspective, so seven-on-seven seven or um, – team drills I guess um, any reps in that until like the week leading up to the last game and so it's tough to keep yourself mentally prepared and, and mentally focused when you don't get those reps and so when I got put in the Bengals game I wasn't supposed to play that game but um, Ryan Griffin separated his shoulder and so they put me out there led a two minute drill to try and I don't know if it was tie or win the game with a field goal um, it's a whirlwind. It's a whirlwind, but I enjoyed it. Those guys are great, from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Ryan Griffin to Jameis Winston. Um, all those guys took me under their wing, taught me a lot, learned a lot. And the locker room in general, um, there's just a bunch of great guys, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, even though the humidity and the temperature is 
ridiculous over there. I think I lost on average 10 pounds of water weight to practice. Wow. Um, yeah. So they're, they're big on hydration over there. And they were still building an indoor facility because they didn't have one of those, which I think they're crazy, but they have it now, so good for them. Um, but I enjoy it overall. You know, I actually almost never, never attempted to go play in the NFL because I was so worn out, worn down, tired of being hit, tired of having to recover and rehab. And um, But, you know, my mom and dad were basically like, you never know. You know, you don't want to have that regret, live with those regrets. And so um, I'm happy I went out there and, and gave it a shot and, and tried. And Yeah, it was a great experience overall. You came back to Boulder to finish off your degree in economics, and you earned your degree in, in May of 2018. How does walking down the aisle to get your diploma relate to what you accomplished on the football field at CU? Yeah, that's um, another big accomplishment milestone in my life. And before I left for the NFL – um, I told my mom I was going to come back and graduate, and so it was very important um, for myself to come back, not only for myself because I, I think it's important to go out there and graduate, but also to keep my promise to my mom. And so there is definitely a sense of accomplishment and pride in myself that you know, I went out there and I got a degree in economics. I earned that degree, and um, I came back and did what I said I was going to do. And so just a, a big sense of pride and accomplishment um, coming back out here to do that. You seemed pretty loose when you came back to get your degree. Was it nice not to have the pressure of football for the first time and I would imagine a long, long time in your life? Definitely, definitely. Um, you don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. anymore. You don't have to go through that constant grind of um, film and strength and conditioning and just the daily grind of being a student athlete. And I think a lot of people are kind of, slowly starting to understand what that's like for kids um, but it's it's not easy and so to be able to just be a normal student for a semester and played a lot of basketball did school relaxed after and studied a little bit and honestly played a lot of video games like it's it's a lot different you don't have to worry about as many things and um, you don't have to be at as many meetings or worry about as worry as much about what you eat so it's it's a lot different and I enjoyed it and when do you dive into the mortgage industry it's about a year ago now okay. um, my uncle um, Jack Thompson um, he's in the mortgage industry um, not on the he's not a mortgage loan originator right now just kind of on like the networking side but he said I don't know if you're playing football anymore or what you're doing um, but I think you'd be good at this. It's a relationship-type business. Obviously, you need to know the ins and outs of the business, but um, it's about helping people, which is um, what I'm really big on. Um, it's about giving back and, and helping people out, and that's kind of what really drew me to it. And so about a year ago, I got licensed and did all that, um, and that's another reason why I'm still in the industry um, with Guardian Mortgage. It's just um, it's a way to help people with one of the – if not their biggest investment in their lives and any way I can help them save money or help them get into a home. Um, I'm really big on that. And so that's why I got in the industry and that's why I'm still in the industry. You were up at CU for the spring game. Mm -hmm. Have you had a chance to meet Mel Tucker yet? What are kind of your thoughts on the new staff up there? Yeah. So unfortunately I haven't had the opportunity to meet with him. Um, he's a busy guy and I can see that from social media is the amount of events that he's going to and how hard he's pushing himself and the team because I still got guys that I know there on the team. There's still people in the 
behind the scenes that I know. And so I've heard stories of kind of um, how he's going about things and how he's um, pushing guys. And um, I like the way he's going about it. I would have loved to have him as a coach. Um, he's hard on the guys. And I think in this day and age, a lot of kids aren't used to that. But he does it in a way it sucks. Like, you're not going to enjoy it all the time. But he holds you to a high standard so that you'll be in the best position possible to be successful. And um, I'm excited to kind of watch these guys this year. I hope to meet him in the near future soon. I'd love to pick his brain because just the way that I hear him hold guys to a high standard, that's kind of how I was raised. And so I also don't have to deal with that on a daily basis, so it would be nice to kind of see what it's uh, it's like. But um, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I was um, pleased and excited at what I saw at the spring game and kind of how I've seen guys develop. And so I'm excited to see these guys um, this upcoming season. What's your relationship with Steven Montez like? You know he's coming for your passing yards record this year. <laughs> is he? How far away is he? I. Uh, it's close to 3,900, I want to say, somewhere in there. He'll break it. He'll break it. As long as he keeps his head on straight, he'll break it. Um, and I hope he does. You know, I think that um, records are meant to be broken. And, um, you know, if he has a 3,000-plus yard season and he keeps his turnovers to a minimum, I think that they have a really good chance of being successful. Um, so I hope he breaks it um, or misses it by one yard. I don't know. It's a... <laughs> But uh, I hope I hope he's successful and he beats it this year. Um, I kind of keep my distance. You know, I've always told him that, you know, if you need anything, you've got my number. Um, feel free to reach out. And whenever I go back to see you, I, I sit down and talk with them for a little bit. Um, but I, I'm i very big on giving people space. And so just let them know if you need anything, I'm here. If not, totally cool. So. How are Derek and Diego doing these days? They're good. You know, I think for my first three, four weeks back, I was actually on Derek's couch. And so uh, yeah, he was helping me out a little bit there. He's doing well, um, doing a couple internships, um, looking at going to med school, applying to med school right now. And so he's he's doing big things like he always does. Um, and so I'm super excited for that. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I've actually talked to Diego. He's down in Mexico right now um, working. I'm not totally sure with what, um, but definitely down there working. I think he's done trying to attempt playing in the NFL as a kicker. Um, but they're all doing well. We still keep in, in close contact with each other. Um, and then there's one more roommate who didn't play football. He's known Derek since um, five years old. They've known each other forever. Went to school together forever. He was our roommate for three years when we were in the dorms. And so um, it's a close little knit group that we have there, and we keep in touch very closely. Awesome, Sefa. It was great catching up with you. Wish you the best of luck with uh, quarterback training and uh, your job in the mortgage industry. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, it's always good to come back and, and talk a little football, talk a little shop. And so thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Flight Co. Brewing in Denver for hosting this podcast. Again, come out and support some CU grads and enjoy some great beer. We'll be back with a new Buff Stampede Radio very soon. Tyler and I are set to record early this coming week. Thanks for tuning in.